Well, we, we had been working. Can we get that video or not? Can we give it a shot? We've been working all week to get Sadie Robertson to give you a bit of a message. And uh, can we do it? Okay. All right, I guess that's uh, the short answer. Hey, um, we have been so amazed by you guys being here this week. You've done so much. And tonight, I feel I'm going to be delivering a message that is probably one of the hardest messages I've ever had to deliver. And so I want you to go with me if you can. We're going to pray right now. And I want you to open your hearts and say, God, speak to me. Jesus, I just pray that you will speak to every person in this room right now. God, I pray that some of the topics that we're going to be talking about, God, I just pray that you will uh, speak into people's lives. That you'll take some doors, smash them wide open. God, I pray that you will speak to every single person in this room, not just the young people, but everyone in this room. God, I pray that you will smash into people's lives tonight. Let them find hope, freedom. In your name we pray. Amen. June 23rd of this year, just a month ago, there's a group of boys that had just finished soccer practice, the Wild Boars soccer team. They'd finished soccer practice, in fact, they played every single day. They were in Asia, and as they were on their way home, the coach said, hey, It's one of the guy's birthdays. Let's go to some of the caves. This was something that they would do normally. This wasn't like a a weird trip. This was something that they would do. They were local caves. The 13 boys knew that a week later the monsoon season would start, but they had this one week, probably the last chance they could go in these caves. These caves went for seven or eight miles underground and under mountains. So they parked their bikes and they, they took off. And as they go into the caves, the monsoons hit early. They could tell this because as they were in the caves, water started to come into the caves. They knew they were in trouble, so they had to get to high ground in the caves. So they started climbing. A few hours later, one of the kids who was on the soccer team but who did not go to practice that day was trying to get a hold of some of his friends. None of their phones were picking up. He knew there was something wrong, so... He went out to the caves and he found the entrance and he found the bikes and he found the soccer boots on the floor and he realized they were in the cave. But they didn't know where they were in the caves. The boys were trapped. It was hot and humid. They're under the earth. It was dark. 
And so this boy had to go and raise the alarm. He goes to parents and say, have you seen the boys? I think they're still in the caves and the rains are coming. And what turned into a small event turned into an international crisis. Teams from all over the world were flying into Asia to try and find these boys in these caves. And 10 days later, they finally find these boys. All were still alive. The coach was there. But they weren't in good shape. Rescue teams had got there and the issue with getting them out was a lot of the caves had filled up with water. The boys could not swim. But the only way out of the caves were to learn to swim and then also to learn to scuba dive and do cave diving. That is completely different than scuba diving in crystal clear water. They couldn't see a thing in front of their face. So the rescuers came up with this amazing plan. They were going to have to put ropes all the way through the caves. Going out of the water and under the water and through small areas. The rescuers were now going to attach a boy to them and they were going to like feed them through the water. They had to teach them how to swim and how to use the scuba diving gear. But they started the rescue. The rescue had to be brought up quick because they knew that the monsoons were really about to hit. They had a short window where they had to get these boys out. And so it was go time. And the first day they brought four boys out. It took hours. And then the next day there was four. And they kept going and they kept going. And this whole thing, the boys were in the cave for 18 days. They all survived. The coach survived. But it was all down to these divers who knew how to take them through caverns. And they just had to follow the rope. Tonight I want to talk to you about a guy in the Bible that was in a similar predicament. It's a story of a young guy, 17 years of age. This guy was gifted in so many ways and he was at the prime of his life. He was looking into the future. He had so much ahead of him. And then something happened. You read about Joseph in Genesis, in one of the early books of the Bible. In fact, it's over many chapters. Chapter 37 to 50. I'm not going to read it all, don't worry. It's not going to become story time. But I'm going to take you on this journey of Joseph tonight. Joseph was from Cana and he had ten half-brothers and he had one full-blooded brother and a sister. His mum was Rachel and, and Joseph was her firstborn and 
Jacob, this was his 11th son. Now out of all these sons, Joseph was the dad's favourite. And the boys could feel this tension. His brothers could feel this tension. And one day, his dad shows up with this really cool coat. Just one. Not 11. One. It was for Joseph. His, his brothers got really mad. And so they start to plot to kill Joseph. Now, as they're plotting, there's one brother who's feeling a little bit for Joseph, Reuben, and he's like, listen, um, let's not kill him, let's do something else. And in the back of Reuben's mind, he was wanting to make sure that Joseph could escape somehow and he wouldn't be killed. And so Reuben comes up with this, this great idea. Why don't we throw him into like a pit? It was called a cistern. It, it's a bit like a cave. They're these big, deep caves. They collect water and they're very deep. Why don't we throw him into there and let him die? And what Reuben was going to do was go and rescue him later. And so they beat him up, kick him in all over the place, throw him down this pit. And he's left alone. He's on his own. It's dark. It's wet. Here's a kid who went from someone who is the most light person in the family to someone who they're trying to kill. But David had to, have a, had to make a choice. He had to make a choice in his mind. He had to understand that he could either stay in the pit and have a pit-like mentality or he could see that what was happening was going to help him into the future. But there he is in the pit, alone. He's there and he's thinking, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this pit? And sometimes the way out of something isn't the way you imagined. Sometimes when you're in that pit and you're like, God, when are you going to come through? When are you going to help me get out of this pit? Sometimes it happens in a way that you never thought was going to happen. See, Joseph's brothers weren't only trying to kill him, but they were very greedy. And they'd gone back to town and they saw these Egyptians coming through town. It was like a caravan of Egyptians and they were looking for slaves. And so they decided to sell Joseph, make money off of him. So they, 
they tell him where they tell him where this pit is, and they said, "Listen, just go there. There's this guy. We'll give you money. He'll make a great slave. He's young and fit." And so they go. The Egyptians get there, and they they look down at the pit, and they start to lower a rope. For Joseph, his mind's going crazy because he's thinking, this is good news. I'm getting out of the pit. But the bad news was, as he came out of the pit, he now became a slave. I don't know if you know this, but the Israelites and the Egyptians had a bit of, of a thing against each other. And being a slave in Egypt was a hard thing. And so, yeah, he's getting out of the pit, but now he's living and going to live as a slave. Not only is he going to live as a slave, he's now in a culture that he's not familiar with. He comes out of the pit and he realizes that things are going to get worse than what had just happened in the pit. They take him and obviously now he's got to adapt to a different culture. Not only a culture of being a slave, but of being a a slave in Egypt. Have you noticed lately, and this may be just me getting old, but have you noticed lately that um, this culture that you live in has really been pulling at your generation to go completely against God. I don't know if it's the social media age. I don't know if it's uh, the Netflix age. I've just noticed that this culture is making things that shouldn't be right feel right. Things that... Things that we never would do now, this culture's like, it's fine. Live your life as you want. But when you look at the truth in Scripture and some of the things that come out, that culture's not right. That's not where we live. The other night, Dave Jane, he spoke and he stole part of my message, but that's okay. He talked about the three guys in the fiery furnace. These were three guys who went completely against culture. They were told that this calf had been built and everyone, when the music played, everyone is going to bow to it. And if you don't, you're in the furnace. The music plays. The three young men said, no way, we're not doing it. We're not bowing to any other god And so they're like, okay, you're toast. You're going in the furnace. They turned up the furnace. And they're in there. And as the guards and as the king is looking in, they're trying to figure out what they're seeing. Because normally as someone walks into a furnace, they're just burnt up immediately. But what happens is there's not 
three people in there, there's now four. They're not on their own anymore. Someone else is in there. They tell them to come in and get out and they come out and they're not singed, they're not anything. They're just there. And the king is like, this is crazy. Whoever you're serving, not only am I going to serve, but everyone in this generation, in this city, in this world is going to worship your God. Here's three guys who went against the culture And as they went against the culture, they started a revival. And listen, when you make a stand for Jesus where you're at, when you make a stand for Jesus, things can happen. Things can happen. Culture can change around you. But I need to tell you something. I need to tell you that you can't go against this culture. You can't be different. You you can't make things happen. You can't see things change in your school. You can't break any of the chains. You can't impact people's lives around you. You can't be a light in a dark place on your own. If you try and do all that stuff on your own, you'll crash and burn. That's why this week has been so important in us talking about not alone when you go into all these situations you have to have God with you so once you've got God with you you then can go against the culture you then can live differently you can make things happen you can see things change around your school and around your world you can break chains of addiction in your life and you can impact people's lives With the power of Jesus in you. Don't blend into the culture. Change it. Change it. You have the power within you when you have accepted Jesus. He is with you and he's for you all the time. Yes, it doesn't mean that you have a perfect life. But you've got some strength and power with you just like them three guys that are in the furnace so let's go back to Joseph he's now out of the pit he's now a slave and he's now taken to be a slave in Pharaoh's bodyguard's house He actually becomes very successful. He's doing what he needs to do as a slave. He's making sure things are done. And he's becoming a very successful slave. But one day things change. The bodyguard's wife 
understands that this is a nice young man. So she starts pursuing him. She, she's going after him. She's already married to the bodyguard. <laughs> and Joseph stands his ground and says, no, I am not sleeping with you. And gets out of there. But what happens is, she makes up this whole lie. And tells Pharaoh that Joseph had slept with her. And so they come and get Joseph. And back then, anyone that does anything towards a woman, they would be treated really bad in prison. So he's accused of this and he's now put in prison. So now he's gone from a pit into prison. It's getting worse and worse for this guy. He's in a land that he's not from a culture he's not used to. But in Genesis 40, verse 20 and 21, it says this. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But verse 21, but the Lord God was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So here he is. Joseph is now bound in prison. He can't do too much now. He's locked up. He's bound. But yet he has this promise that God is with him. In his loneliness, in his time of need, God is still with him. He's not alone. Every turn that Joseph has gone, there's been rejection. Every turn, there's been Beatings and being left alone. He's been accused of things. Yet God is still with him. Tonight, I know that there are people here that are in your own prisons. You're bound up. I just read the boards and I knew that there was people that were hurting. This year, it's been amazing to see how many people have thrown in the towel. Now when I say throw in the towel, I'm not on about walking away from God. I'm on about ending it all. That you get into such a place, a prison, where you feel like there is no way out. You feel like you can't make the next move tomorrow.
So you just end it. Let me tell you something. One of the biggest plans that the devil has for this generation is the lie of suicide. And so as I was preparing my message, I was going to be hitting this subject, but this week after reading some of the banners, I just felt God really challenging me to get really practical with you guys. Let me give you some statistics on why this is such a crucial topic to talk about. And to be honest, we don't talk about it enough in church. Suicide is the second leading cause of death between the ages of 10 and 24 in America. More teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, strokes, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease. Combine all that in one year and suicide still beats it. Each day in this nation, an average of 3,000 people attempt, 3,000 young people attempt to take their life. That's, that's the age of grades 9 through 12. 3,000 people per day. In the last year, 45,000 people have taken their own life. But four out of five teens who attempt suicide have given clear warnings to people. This year we have seen so many celebrities throw in the towel. So many people in different schools and different areas. People that you never would have thought would have done that. So I want to get practical for a minute. I want to give you some some guidelines, some help. The first is this. If you are ever feeling suicidal, you need to pick up your phone and you need to call 1-800-273-8255. That's the suicide emergency hotline. Not just suicide, but if you're dealing with depression or anxiety or anything like that. Sometimes you are not going to get a pastor in the middle of the night. You're not going to get your youth pastor in the middle of the day. He may be somewhere. But you need to call somewhere when you're feeling that way. Now, I know that this hotline isn't a Christian hotline. I understand that. But there are professionals on the other end of the line that can help. That can get you through those few hours while you're feeling that way. So that you can then get to someone who you can talk to. But don't wait too late. Don't take the pill. Don't shoot it. Whatever you're going to do. Don't hang yourself. Don't do anything. Call the number. And get help because you need the help. Another thing, no emotion lasts 
forever. You need to know this. No emotion will last forever. Even though you feel it will, it cannot last forever, including depression. Including depression. Listen, don't make a permanent choice on a temporary feeling. Don't make a permanent choice on a temporary feeling. Here's another thing. Never make a major decision in your life when you are depressed. Now, I know that you are, are going to be depressed at times and you're going to have to make decisions of, you know, well, I'm still going to go to school or I'm going to do this. I'm going to... No, I'm on about major decisions. Like, I'm going to take my life. Here's what else you've got to do. You've got to share it with someone. Galatians 6.2 says that we have to bear one, one another's burdens. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, you've got to also open your mouth. Whether that's through the hotline or it's turning to a youth pastor or a leader or a friend who you know will then take you to a youth pastor. But don't hold it in. Don't let it fester. Get help. When you're feeling depressed, you need to realize that you're not thinking straight. You may think that your family and friends would be better off without you, but that's not true at all. You're wrong. You are loved by God and you are loved by family and friends. Do do you hear me? You are loved. You were never meant to live alone. Never meant to live alone. We were designed to live in community. That's why we break up into small groups. That's why we want you talking with people. That's how God created it. Even in the garden, he created two. So don't live life alone. Here's another thing. If someone says something to you, Take them serious. Take them serious. And leaders, dare I say this, if someone talks to you and they're feeling this way, that should not be shared with anyone else. Now, I'm on about people within your youth groups or leaders. You need to talk to a professional and say, I've got a youth, a youth guy or a student that's told me this. But that news should never be spread anywhere else. Leaders, you've got to protect these kids. 
when they tell you something, don't let it become the new news of the youth group. Help them, because what can happen is it can turn. And if that student finds out that it's going throughout the youth group, you've just added to another reason why they need to end it. Leaders, be there for your students. Help them. My favorite verse, a chapter in the Bible, is Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I'm going to challenge every person in this room over this weekend to just go and read it. It talks about how God created us in our mother's womb. How that we're not an afterthought. You were designed not just to survive, but to thrive. That God has a plan for your life. God is crazy about you. He created you. That's how crazy is about you. God just doesn't love you. He likes you. There's a difference. He just doesn't love you. He's crazy about you. But he also likes you. Let me try and explain. I have three incredible kids. I don't care if I tell the world. That's fine. I have three kids. Ethan, uh, he's been drumming this week. And um, he's a born leader. He knows what he wants. He's focused. He's creative. In fact, pretty much everything you see at Mission Peoria this year, he created with a team of guys and he headed that up. But here's the deal. I don't just love him. I like him. I like hanging out with him. Now... My wife will tell you, at night, especially leading up to Mission Peoria, sometimes things get a bit heated on opinions of creative stuff for Mission Peoria. That's okay. I still like him. Then there's Clay. Clay is sweet-hearted. He is compassionate. He's funny. He's caring. He looks for the best in everyone. He's also a killer guitarist. But guess what? With Clay, I love him. I don't only love him, I like him. I like hanging out with him. I like finding time to just sit and chill. And he's a bit quirky, so we laugh a lot. And he's got some really weird friends. (laughs) Then there's Joy. Joy's my daughter. No guy will come near her for at least another 20 years. (laughs) 
She's loving, she's caring, she's compassionate. She loves working with younger kids and loves being at Taft Homes and other areas with kids who may be in need. Me and Joy love watching cooking shows. And we're a little bit mad this week because Shark Week is this week and we normally love watching Shark Week together. But we're going to watch it next week. We've recorded every show. We're going to binge watch next week, me and Joy. But here's the deal. I don't just love her. I like her. I like hanging out with her. I like being with her. There's, there's a difference. It's the same with God. He created you. And he, he just doesn't love you. He likes you. Because he created you. There was no bad molds. He didn't make any mistakes. I don't care what people tell you. There were no mistakes when he made you. You're exactly who he wanted. Exactly who he wanted. And if you feel like you are tied up in in this prison, and even coming to the, the point of feeling like giving up, Remember this, God likes you, not only loves you, likes you, he wants to spend time with you, just like I do with Joy or Ethan or Clay when we do different things, whether it's alone or as a family, we like being with one another. That's why reading your Bible and your devotional life is so important, because God likes being with you. That's where you can get one-on-one with him. So, we've talked about the pit. We've talked about the prison. Now there's one next place that Joseph ends up at. Remember at the beginning I talked about Joseph. Actually, I didn't mention it. I apologize. I didn't mention it. What got Joseph into trouble right at the beginning when he was 17 wasn't just that he had a really cool jacket. But also, he kept interpreting these dreams. He kept having these dreams and these dreams were of his his family and his dad like bowing down to him and there was all different analogies of wheat, bales of wheat and stars and the sun and they're bowing down to him and so they're really getting ticked off with him. But this was a gift he had. God created it in him. And so now down the road he's in prison and These guys keep coming up to him with dreams and he's starting to interpret them. 
And he's good at it. Like he's interpreting them and things are happening. He gets so good at it, he actually gets the attention of Pharaoh. And he starts to interpret some of Pharaoh's dreams. And what happens next ends a cycle in Joseph's life. The the cycle stops when Pharaoh comes into the picture. See, Joseph was living in slavery. And then this cycle stops because Pharaoh now is seeing a different side of Joseph. Pharaoh decides to make Joseph Prince of Egypt. You've all seen the film, right? Prince of Egypt? No? Okay, too early, sorry. Um, Prince of Egypt. Here's the crazy thing about him being Prince of Egypt. He's not even from Egypt. He's from a different culture. He's from Canaan. But now, he's going to be the prince of Egypt. You see, this is what happens. Joseph was using his gifting in one way. But God puts him in a space of responsibility beyond his experience. God rolls back the darkness of his past and now Joseph has to step into his future. But it's going to be hard. Joseph has to make the choice. Am I going to step into this new future or am I going to stay where I was? You see, Joseph was, believe it or not, comfortable in the pit and in the prison and as a slave. That's, that's what he was used to. But now he's being asked to be in charge of all the finance and all the trade of Egypt. And here's the crazy thing. He never went to college for finance or trade. He never did any of that. Yet God now is challenging him to step into a new arena that he is not prepared for. He's now having to step out of his comfort zone. And he accepts this position. Tonight, God is challenging you to take some massive steps. Some incredible leaps of faith. He may be challenging you to do something that you've not even planned for. But tonight, the cycle stops. The comfort zone stops and now you have to step into God's zone. And see what he wants you to do. You see, for Joseph, one fear turns into another fear. He goes from the fear of hurt and abuse to now the fear of opportunity. And that's hard when all you've been used to is bad stuff in your life. Sometimes God will give you something that feels better than your past 
but you'll still fear it. Pharaoh gives Joseph a blessing and a curse. It was called chance. A chance can go one way or the other. This is the one shot. You have to make this work. This could be the one thing you have. Joseph could have been saying, I'm in the palace, but I don't feel comfortable in the palace. This isn't what I'm used to. I've been used to the pit and the prison, but the palace, it feels all weird to me. He may even thought, I just need to go back to what I'm used to. But no, Joseph now stands before Pharaoh. Pharaoh starts putting rings on him. He puts a cloak on him. He ties a rope around him. He says, I need you to be the prince of Egypt. He's now in a place where God had promised him all them years ago. You see, what happens in this, in this story is just a few chapters on. As he's the prince of Egypt, in walks his brothers and his mom and dad. And they are actually bowing in front of him, just like he had in the dream as he was 17. Even though Joseph felt alone in that palace, God still had a plan. Every step of the way, God had a plan. Stuff that happened when he was 17 was now going to come to pass in his 30s. So, for some of you tonight, you're in one of those three places. You may be in the pit. For you, you relate to Joseph's story where his family or friends turned on him and threw him in the pit. He thought that he could trust his family, but he couldn't. He thought that everyone had his back, but in a split second they turned on him and he's alone in the pit. And what that brings is you're dealing with rejection, feelings of unloved and not being cared for. Whether that's from parents or friends. And this this seed of rejection gets in you and it's hard to get it out. And guess what? You can't get it out. 
Only the creator can get it out. Only God can take that seed of rejection and hurt and feeling of unloved and throw it away. So you, you may be in the pit. You may be in that prison. That place of fear or depression or anxiety or dare I even say it of suicide. Even in those times of you feeling in that prison, God has a way of tapping you on the shoulder and saying, you were made for more than this. He taps you on the shoulder and he says, I haven't finished writing your story. I'm I'm not done with you yet. I'm telling you, don't take this opportunity away from God. He's not done with you yet. Just as we changed parts of a city this week, he can take individuals in this room and literally change history, history around this world. You are made for more than this. Or you may be in the palace. You may be scared. Your fear is not knowing that next step into something that is completely different than what you've experienced. See, Joseph had to look at his future, not from the pit or from the prison anymore, but from the palace. He had a whole new perspective. God wants to break the cycles that are stopping you from stepping into something new. He wants to stop the cycles tonight. For some of you, it may be really seriously thinking about something like Ace Teams or a program like that. For some of you, it may be looking at Bible college and you'd never thought of that before, but you're now stepping into the palace. You're now putting stuff behind you. Okay, God, what, what have you got for me? What's this story going to look like in 10, 20 years from now? It may be that as you get back to your church, you are going to step up into areas that you never thought you would. It may be when you get back to your school in the next few weeks. Sorry, school is starting soon. But as we hate that preacher, he just mentioned school. (laughs) But as you step into school, maybe God is asking you to step into an area of the palace that is like, okay, how do I create a, 
a Bible study at school? Or how do I rally the Christians around in my school? What does your palace look like? What's it going to look like? You know, each night we have shown these videos of these individuals running with rope. Tonight we wanted to show you the finale of that video. We're going to bring it all together right now.
what made you, what may, you may have thought was that there was just these single kids running each night with a bit of rope. What they were running to was this stake. The stake represents Jesus. And what happens is when you connect to Jesus with your bit of rope, you all of a sudden see that there's other pieces of rope attached to it. And there's other people on this movement as well. You see, you are not alone in your walk with Jesus. There are people all over this world that are also in pursuit of Jesus. And once you connect to Jesus, you also connect to one another. You are not alone. Whether you're in the pit, whether you're in a prison, or whether you're in a palace... We're all connected in this movement. And we can all come to Jesus and know that we're not alone. And so, tonight, I wanted to do something a bit different. Tonight, I've hit on some pretty heavy topics. Everything from depression and suicide and rejection from friends and family to fear of the future, to fear of what's next, to fear of what's next tomorrow when you get home. But we're all connected. We're all connected to Jesus. And and as we connect to Jesus, we're all connected to one another. And here's what I want you to do. If you are saying, Andy... I want to be more connected to Jesus. Even when I'm in the pit right now, even when I'm in the prison or I'm in the palace trying to figure out what's going on, I need to be connected more to Jesus and I need to be connected more to people. Then this is what I want you to do. I want you to get up out of your seat and I just want you to grab a hold of the rope. All around, we've got ropes all over the place. I want you to just stand, pick the rope up and just hold it. Go a little bit close to it so that others can get and be a part of the rope. There's ropes all the way out. Push in, grab a hold, ask them to move out the way if need be. There's more rope here, guys. As as you are doing this, I've asked Sarah to sing a song just so that we can be contemplating what we are doing. This isn't another cool altar call. There's, there's meaning behind this. You right now are, are on a rope over there, but guess what? The rope is also over here. And you guys that are on the rope over there, it's connected to this state right here. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. Here's more rope if you guys need more. So as they sing this song, I just want you to stand It's not going to be flashy, no lights, nothing. I want you to just stand and have your eyes closed and just say, God, speak to me through this song. And then I'll come back and we'll go on to the next part of the service.
wanted to do something that uh, you would be able to remember this moment a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now. Just as we are connected with this rope that is anchored to Jesus, I, I wanted you to take something away that will remind us of that. So we're not going to get crazy here, okay? But um, we have made uh, red rope wristbands. Last three weeks I've been wearing this and every day I knew what I was going to be sharing and I've been praying for this moment right now. This moment where people are making the connection not only with Jesus but with one another that we're part of this movement that wherever you're at in the pit in the prison or in the palace we're not alone so I've done a couple of things we've got these ropes and they're going to be on the prayer banners I don't want you fighting from because that would look good at the altar um, we've got plenty of them we've got like 800 of them so make sure you get one here's another thing what I'm about to say, okay, I have not watched this show. I've heard a lot about it. About this, the show 13 Reasons Why. It's on Netflix. Don't go and watch it. Alright, I'm just telling you. Don't, you don't need to. Because what I've just presented to you tonight is a better alternative than suicide. Right? But, but I know that there's a lot of you that are, are battling with this stuff. And so we've created 13 reasons why there's hope. And these are these are cards that we want you to take. We have also got them on the prayer walls. We want you to take this with you. And it's just, just things that we want you to remember like, God is in control. God isn't done right in your story. God created you on purpose and for purpose. Jesus has walked in your shoes. Every pain is temporary. You matter to God and others. Jesus promises us the best life. It doesn't mean it's the easiest life, but he promises us the best life. God cares for you. There is no more condemnation. God is our Father. And for some of you, when you hear the word Father, you have a different dis uh, description than what God the Father really is. It's a bit like what I talked about earlier with my kids. I'm their father, I love them, but I also like them. And God loves you and likes you. You don't have to carry stuff alone. And this life on earth is not the end. This is 
out up here. I want everyone, if you can take this and put it on your wall at home or put it in your locker or wherever you want it, where you may be feeling those days where like, man, I am feeling in the pit. I feel like I'm in the prison. Grab this and just start reading these claims. The 13 reasons why there is hope. So, what I want to do is... um, want to slowly come and do this we're going to have Sarah just do that chorus just again while you're coming to get this and then I'm going to come back up I want to tell you about something that um, that's happened that um, I think you're going to find real interesting alright so you are allowed to drop the rope <laughs> but if you want to get your stuff and then get back onto the rope that's totally cool as well alright uh, but Sarah's going to lead us and then I'll be right back up Redeem me, you call me as your own. You amaze me, redeem me, you call me as your own. You amaze me, redeem me, you call me as your own. You amaze me, redeem me, you call me as your own.
perhaps let's go back to our seats. That may make it a little easier. Be careful you don't trip on the ropes. Get tied up pretty quick. We want to create a face 
that has different people, different cultures, different, different races. And this face will look like one person, but many people. Like if you're not alone, there's many different people. And, and we've been thinking about this and then the tragedy with Kennedy happened. So we gave a picture of Kennedy to the graphic artist, Seth, and we asked him to incorporate her into the picture. I don't know if we've got uh, the picture we can show on the screen. So if you see the eyes and the lips there, we, we actually took Kennedy's eyes and lips and put her into the image. And this week... You've all been wearing shirts and seeing posters and bringing honour to her, your friends that are here. The parents were blown away today when I called them. I asked if I could share this. If, if they had said no, we wouldn't have shared it. We would have just kept it quiet uh, between us and them. But they knew how important Mission Peoria was to Kennedy. So I just wanted to share that with you, that even though she wasn't here, she was with us. A lot of you were wearing a picture on on your shirt. She was a part of what we were doing. And you may be saying, Andy, why are you sharing this right at the end of Mission Peoria? Because if you knew Kennedy, you know that she absolutely loved praise and worship. She was on worship teams. She loved to get, uh, especially at the end of Mission Purious, get dancing and hyped. And, and she knew how to worship in, in, intensely. And so tonight, we're going to end the service on, on a bit of a high. Because I'll be honest, this was a hard message to bring. It's a bit of a downer. But I'm telling you something. Kennedy wouldn't want to come back from where she's at right now. She's with Jesus right now. She's cheering us on and she knows exactly what's about to happen because she's been to a lot of Mission Purias. And so we're going to raise the roof a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah? And we're going to celebrate because here's what we're going to celebrate. You don't need to stay in the pit. You don't need to stay in the prison. You don't even need to be in the palace worrying about what's going to happen. God is on your side. He created you and He is for you, not against you. And there is so much stuff that can happen in your life. He hasn't finished with your story yet. There is so much more to be written about. So we want you to stand and let's worship Jesus for one last time.